are listening to a message from Oaks Church, Brooklyn. Our longing is to see heaven come to earth in our city. For more information on our church and community, please visit oaksbk.church. Good morning, everyone. Um, if you don't know me, um, I'm Ryan, one of the pastors here. And I'm going to read us our teaching text today. But before I do that, I wanted to acknowledge that I actually have a guest with us today who's going to be delivering God's word. Um, I met Seth in 2020. Um, my wife and I had taken this big step of leaving like the church we grew up at. And we wandered through the doors of his church, Wellspring in Long Island City. And we only spent a few months there um, because then I started a pastoral residency and COVID hit, you know, all these things. Um, but those few months under Seth's tutelage and just his love and friendship profoundly changed my wife and I's lives. And so I'm excited that you guys get to hear from him today because I think, you know, it's one thing to be able to preach really well, but to be able to marry that to a real pastoral heart that genuinely cares about the formation of souls is a big deal, and it can be rare. And so I'm excited you guys get to hear from God's word and get to hear from Seth today because he's surely impacted my life. And his church at Wells, his church Wellspring in Long Island City is doing phenomenal, phenomenal things for their community, and God's really at work there. So enough bragging on him. Let me read today's teaching text. Uh, we're going to be reading um, from Matthew. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, I wish this was the handheld, because if I saw this, I was like, oh, this is totally like Bob Barker vibes. Really great, but I'm a little intimidated by it, so I'm going to do that. That's okay. Is that, is that appropriate? I don't know. Um, <laughs> thanks, Brian, for the introduction. I, um, I don't know many of you, uh, though those that I do know, I deeply care about and love in this community. Um, so you don't know me. You don't fully need to know me. Hopefully my prayer today is um, that I'm just kind of a voice for you, a voice that's pointing towards Jesus. Um, um, I have a church in Long Island City uh, with a group of people that are hungry for Jesus and everywhere in between trying to figure it out. I have a couple of kids um, that I'm also just trying to figure it out with raising two boys that are complete mayhem. And um, I think that's kind of all you need to know. Um, we're just, uh, I'm just a fellow traveler and uh, journeyer with you. Um, but if, one of the benefits of coming from the outside, if you will, and getting to preach at a community and be here is I got the privilege of just continually being in prayer over you and over this community. Um, so just before I begin, I just had this sense of um, an image of like an artist who is, has maybe like this big leather um, apron and it's covered and dirty and filthy. And, um, but this person is filled with life and um, filled with joy, but is pretty beat down a little bit. And just this overwhelming sense over this community, and this is probably more a broad word, I think, as for like the ministry of Oaks within the city, um, is that your toil is not in vain. Your toil's not in vain, and I believe there's a call on this church in particular that is kind of a similar call to someone who steps into the vocation of high art. So not just a creative, but of high art, because there's a level of sacrifice and toil that is needed for the birthing of something that is so beautiful that it would be classified as high art. The, the sense I got was somebody who is, is caring for um, 
the beauty holds the vision of what's way out there. But if you are the one that is committed to creating that like ultimate high art, beautiful thing, you are usually somebody who's pretty um, beat up, whose hands are in the mud. Like picture a, a sculpture or a painter. Though this thing is pristine that ultimately gets put on the front of government buildings or is the centerpiece in somebody's living room, that person has toiled through the night. Uh, that person is usually probably covered in paint and clay and has gotten dirtied up along the way in order to create and point toward this beautiful thing. And so there's like this duality of being in the mud, but also your heart and your eyes are in the heavenlies. And I say that too because there's, and I don't, I don't know if it's full, but like the, the refrain I kept getting uh, was you are a church that toils through the night. You are a church that is called to till through the night, that you are valuable to this city, that you, the, the ministry and the depth that flows from this place will be like the one who toils through the night so that when the rest of the city awakens, uh, they reap the benefit of those that have toiled through the night. Um, and I don't know if that's actually literal and tangible as well. Like, I'm not just saying, like, you're all then called to all-night prayer all the time. Uh, but maybe you are. I don't know. Um, so I'll just leave, I'll share that there. Maybe it lands with some within the community and understand it. But I just, I have a sense of just saying, like, whether even you're new to this community or not, there is an importance and a depth within this community that I believe uh, brings beauty. And there will be depth that flows from this place that creates readiness uh, and awareness in the city for the breaking in of the kingdom. Um, so thank you for letting me uh, practice praying in prophetic ministry. Um, I'm just going to pray one more time, and we'll jump into uh, this story where we get to jump into God kind of explaining the kingdom to us. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. We love you. We honor you. You are here, and we want to be more aware of you. God, come. We know you are here. You are with us. Jesus, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're here. We want to meet with you. God, open our hearts. We, we want to understand you. Thank you that you're here. Amen. Amen. And so we've um, been thinking a lot about, like, the moment, right? COVID, post-COVID, all that stuff kind of makes everybody a bit existential. Um, and we are largely and increasingly more uh, a generation of people that are searching. Like many people are saying, this is a searching generation. This is a seeking generation. And even though we don't always largely know exactly what we are looking for, we are marked as a people, most definitely as people who carry deep desires to seek and to find. And that's what's been kind of this new leaf that's turning over. Like, there's a void that needs filling. There are systems that are broken. There are, there are solutions that are needed. It's not just existential searching. It's searching to be filled. It's searching to find solutions. Even deconstruction at its very heart comes from this place that we long to construct something that's authentic or reconstruct something that is satisfying. But you see, in the midst of a generation that's kind of demanding uh, truth, and it desires for what's real to finally be discovered, if that's possible, the question that, go, that we then need to ask if we dial it back one step is, and where do we go with all that searching? Like, where do we go with these questions that we need to have that answer to, or that problem that we want to be solved? Where do we go when we're struggling? And even on a base level, like, where do you go when something's wrong with your physical body, or even your mind? Like, your mental health, where do you go? Where do you go if you need to relieve the burden of this secret that you've been carrying? Well, the answer to that question today, if you were to look at most studies and surveys, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, is probably exactly what you'd expect. We Google it. <laughs> we Google it, right? Based off all the data that we're finding, the global mantra really could be for this generation, you will seek it and you will find it if you Google it. Now, what you will find, I don't exactly know. You will find something, but that depends on the algorithm and whatever your uh, personal search history is and what ads you've clicked on recently. Um, there's a famous entrepreneur. Um, he's a podcaster. He's a New York uh, University, I think, uh, marketing professor named Scott Galloway. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, he himself is an atheist. Um, but he has this interesting quote, and he has a, a lot of inter interesting content out there. But he basically says, look, Google is more akin to an atheist god for people uh, than a simple search engine. 
He kind of frames it like this. Google is our modern man's God. You trust Google more than any entity in your history. If you don't think Google is a God, imagine your name and your face above everything you've typed to that query God. Google knows when you're about to get engaged. Google knows when you're about to break up with your boyfriend. Google knows what ailments you have. Google knows what ailments you're worried about having exposed yourself to. Google knows your fetishes. Google knows who you can't stop thinking about. Google is probably a better reflection of you than anybody you know who knows you better. You see, Google, in a lot of ways, has become society's go-to place to search for whatever it is that's ailing them. It's the world's primary search engine that processes literally trillions of questions a year. And we're not just going as a people to Google to find out the basics. Google's actually affirmed, they only release so much data, but in the millions and tri- or sorry, the trillions of annual searches, they have said 15% of those searches annually are what they classify as new searches. As in they are questions that have never before been seen by Google. People are searching. And we don't just want answers. We do want solutions. There is need and desire for fulfillment, for relief, for what is next. And look, we, we all know the reality that we're in, the uniqueness of like this myriad of global crises, spiritual, environmental, political, mental health, you name it. We're all experiencing it. Basically, you could like sum it up to say, hey, these past few years have kind of surfaced a lot of pain. Perhaps for you, there has been some new pain that has been surfaced in the last couple of years. But what do we do with that? What do we do as stuff is unearthed or unsurfaced, and hopefully it's pointing toward a level of healing, but where do we take our pain? Well, again, according to Google, in 2021, their year in search campaign, Google's top trending search across the globe this past year was how to heal. Where's the world taking their pain? Well, largely to their myriad of secular gods. Among trillions of searches, among countless glowing screens, the most frequent question put out into the universe, typed into our phones and in our computers and our tablets, was how can I be healed? We're a world searching for wholeness, for love, for healing, for the solution to whatever it is that ails us, yet time and again the answers that we find, while perhaps helpful for a moment, never fully satisfied us to the point where we're saying, that's worth giving my life for. Which brings us to the, the teaching today, which is on a parable of Jesus. It's about a pearl. And it's not just any pearl. It's really what's classified as the pearl. A pearl that's so precious that when the searching merchant finds it, he deems it as so valuable that it's worth giving away all he has in order to obtain this one pearl. This pearl of great price represents Jesus' audacious claim that when we encounter this pearl, which represents the breaking in of the kingdom of God, we will indeed come face to face to the solution we've been searching for. A pearl that answers the question and offers the solutions to a world that desperately needs healing. Jesus says there is a solution out there that when you find it, it's worth giving up all you have in order to obtain it. And it is the kingdom of heaven, and it's here. It is here now. It is here for all who would receive it. That's why Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. Here, as as Ryan read, Jesus actually said it a couple of different ways. He likened the kingdom of God to a treasure in the field and to a pearl of great price. And I understand, I believe you guys studied the treasure in the field last Sunday. The treasure that was discovered, and when it was discovered, it it changed that person's life. And this morning, we're we're saying, okay, Jesus, you said it twice. Let's, Let's look at it twice ourselves. And we're going to look at the pearl which essentially is saying the exact same thing, but there is a slight change in this second story. Because the pearl in this story is being intentionally sought after. See, in the parable of the treasure, the man working in the field happened to come upon the treasure, and he responded with joy when he realized what he had encountered. But in the parable of the pearl, the merchant was searching for the treasure. He was on a conscious quest. Upon finding the pearl of great price then, he cries out, oh wow, I found it. I think one thing that Jesus is kind of gently revealing to us here 
is that whether we crash into it, whether we wrestle it with it, whether we're seeking it out from every single angle, or whether it kind of encounters us, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we encounter the kingdom for ourselves. What matters is that we come face to face with the love of Jesus. Have we encountered Jesus for ourselves? See, because we live in a moment where it's really easy to live existentially in our thoughts from a distance, not in a place of present encounter. We live in a moment where it's really easy to get disillusioned because there is a ton to contend with. There's a lot of broken systems. There's a lot of trauma, even if you've had a pretty decent life or upbringing. There's a lot of trauma and, and, and issues in the world, some of which many are coming to realize we've perpetuated and taken part in. There's a lot to contend with. We've also encountered a lot of pain personally, and many are finding that what they had previously built their life around, some of which they believed was Jesus, or at least religious, has not stood up to the chaos of our present reality. Perhaps that's a little bit of your story. I think that's why it's really important for us to recognize that the seeker in this parable, the pearl of great price, was himself a pearl merchant. Right? This guy knew pearls. In fact, in the parable Jesus tells us, it reveals to us that he was in pursuit of fine pearls. This was his industry. This was his heart. This is what he was going after, and he was in pursuit. It wasn't like he just encountered something shiny. No, what he was looking for needed to be able to be put to the test. What he was gonna looking, looking for needed to meet the standards of a pearl merchant. And so when he encounters this pearl, the pearl of great price, and he recognizes its immense worth, it changes his entire paradigm. He doesn't just add it to his collection of pearls. He literally liquidates everything that he has to obtain this one pearl alone. You see, I think among many things that perhaps Western religious world is finding out right now, is that mere religion or a worldview shift or a Judeo-Christian philosophy around wellness or mindfulness or even community service has not stood up to the test of that complicated reality that has been revealed to us in the past few years. Many are wondering, hey, if that's the pearl, maybe it's not so valuable after all. Maybe that's not quite worth giving up all I have for. And that's because knowing about the kingdom of God is not the same as encountering it and obtaining it for yourself. Believing in God and what he is about is not the same as taking that belief and making it your all. To step into the indwelling, incarnational way of life by the Spirit. It's not just enough to believe that the pearl is out there and it's, and it's good and I'm glad it exists. The call is to go take possession of it to go and give up all you have in order to take hold of it and make it your own? I wonder how much of the disillusionment of the church and honestly of our own faith at times comes from building our life around an idea of a pearl. And often an idea of a pearl that we actually think we can afford while still holding on to what we already have. Instead of leveraging all that we have for a personal encounter, a tangible taking hold and giving our whole life to the one who's worth giving it for. Jesus came to reveal that his kingdom was at hand. His kingdom, right, the reality that God has come to partner with us, to be found one with us as he is with his Father, to give us his indwelling spirit that we may our, ourselves may cry out from our own spirit, Abba, Father, by the power of his spirit, and know that we are loved to the deepest of our being. But see, another important thing is to, to notice here in terms of selling the, all that we have in order to purchase that kind of reality brings about a bit of a danger that you perhaps have found in your spiritual journey as well if you've stepped into this at all. The danger would be to interpret that too literally as if we can sell all we have and buy our way into the kingdom. We can't commodify the kingdom of God. That's important to recognize. There is this like full surrender of yourself, giving away all you have for the sake of taking hold, and yet at the same time, it's, it's like you're purchasing it with everything you have, but it's also the opposite of commodity altogether. Uh, George Butrick asked that question. He says, how can the kingdom of God be at once a gift of heaven's grace and a purchase by a man? You see, the point of the parable is the counting the cost. 
It's not about purchasing our way into the kingdom through money or through works. The cost is a surrendered heart. The giving of of our full love and affection, it's a surrendering of lordship. It's a full reordering of our desires and our loves, which is at times painful and certainly sacrificial. Jesus says it this way elsewhere. He says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And this idea of the the going all in, of dying to self, this full surrender to take hold of the kingdom looks less like purchasing and more like the reordering of your love. It looks like laying down success and picking up a vision for the kingdom to come. It looks like turning away from avoidance or gaslighting or denial and moving toward honesty and confession and repentance. It's about laying down former habits and gracefully stepping into spiritual practices by the power of the Spirit. It's about replacing angst and worry with prayer and praise and petition. It's about allowing our helplessness and our relentless striving for control to be overcome with hope and rejoicing. You see, it is a full selling out to Jesus. It's a realigning of our way with the Jesus way. It's a, it's a laying down of our life and stepping into the way of Jesus for ourselves. A Jesus way of living. Jesus, who only did what he saw the Father doing, who didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve, to walk daily in step with the indwelling Spirit and to function in the power of the Spirit. You see, with the point of the parable and of the merchant selling all that he has, now to be able to afford this one pearl, I think perhaps it's not about his ability to afford it or not. As that he had to sell everything he had because he couldn't afford that pearl, and so he does that to get the capital. But what if it's rather about he had to get rid of everything he had in his life because everything he had up until that point was incompatible with the life of owning that pearl. It wasn't just a letting go of all control and letting go of of uh, what he had to acquire. It was letting go of what was lesser to be able to step into the glory of what God has for him. You, I think we, we understand that. I know I've been kind of speaking broad. I mean, it's parables. It's kind of poetic and it's a bit meta. But just get to the passion of that, the heart that's there. We see this. These are the stories that get told. These are the stories that some Christian people get a little bothered by because they're like, oh man, I didn't come off all those drugs and have this amazing conversion story. So my testimony doesn't have this amazing arc. But you see that passion in those kinds of stories, right? At conversion, the letting go of all you have because you have obtained this and you're overwhelmed by the grace of God. Someone who is lost and then who is found. On some level, each person here who has stepped into it has gotten a taste of that. There's been a story of the recognition of the glory and the goodness of God. And you're saying, that's it. I've tasted it. I want that. And I'm willing to move away from what I have for the sake of that. Uh, Though I do believe there are some here today. um, There's almost like you're like holding on to a few pearls. Like you know you want that greater pearl, but you're kind of like clutching. Pearl clutching? Maybe that's a word for today. Who's, who's pearl clutching in here today? Um, I think that that is some of us. Like, can I actually still hold on to a few of these things and still obtain this thing that deep in my spirit I know is the way? I think some of you are hearing this and it's ringing in truth. Some of you who have had that conversion experience, whether it was mighty and magnificent, whether it was just mighty and magnificent to you because it was your all. But over time, what happens, you've noticed, is as life goes on, the shine of the pearl um, kind of gets a little dim. Instead of the world growing strangely dim, like Gemma shared, the, the glory and the beauty of this pearl, it gets tarnished. Uh, perhaps let's look at it like this. Um, I think I have a picture of a grand, the Grand Canyon. It's been a while since anybody's seen the Grand Canyon, maybe. I don't know. It's pretty amazing. It's beautiful. Let's take in the Grand Canyon. Let's pretend we are there looking out at the expanse of the Grand Canyon. Maybe this is poignant for this church. This church is a church that is called to be realigned around the beauty of Jesus. 
This place is um, an expansive landscape. It has immense size. It will overwhelm your senses no matter where you're standing and looking out over the Grand Canyon. In some places, it's over a mile deep. It's truly phenomenal and stunning. And this amazing geographical marvel was carved out by the Colorado River. You can see that down below there. It's the seventh largest river on the continent, actually. You see, over time, the Colorado River carved through stone, flowing and turning and making its way over, I believe, around 1,500 miles from the Rocky Mountains out to the Gulf of California. At least it used to. See, if you were to head out to the Gulf of California today, you would come to realize that the mighty Colorado River now mostly trickles out and dries up nearly 50 miles before it even reaches the Gulf. So the once powerful river that carved through stone and carved out the Grand Canyon is now reduced to a little muddy stream with spare tires and garbage dribbled around the edges. Perhaps for some of you this morning, your own faith feels a little like that right now. Because you see what, is, what has happened to the Colorado River over the years is that there's been a lot of man-made influence and a lot of man-made interference onto the power of that river. Numerous dams have been put in to create hydroelectric power. Little offshoots have been created for irrigation for farmland. The mighty power and flow of that river that created the breathtaking Grand Canyon has been reduced to almost nothing. And I believe this is what often happens with the love and the power of God through the Holy Spirit in the church and through us. There's this mighty resource, this endless flow of power and love, like we read about in Acts, like we see in the ministry of Jesus, the indwelling spirit, a life in ministry guided by the spirit, which is real and tangible and right in front of you, which as it turns out, where we just let God do his thing, he does a lot more than we could have planned and irrigated and carved out. But instead, as humans, in our strategizing, in our assumed needs of our own ability, in our efforts to try and fix our own problems and fix our own mistakes, we think we know best. And so in the midst of that, we, we stick in a dam, and we take matters into our own hands, or we redirect, or we sometimes intentionally suppress and constrain, or try to tame the power of God at work in our life, to create systems, to institutionalize the aspects of a religion. We seek to have the pearl but still control the rest of our assets. Making it work with whatever our personal framework is. Like, I want that relentless power of God, but I want it to work within the framework of the life that I've constructed and in the framework of the vision that I'm moving toward. And then after concisely placing God in a box, in a church structure, in a mindfulness model, in a program, or a, a pastor, or whatever it is that works for you, you look back and wonder why there's just this little trickle of water and a little stream. It seems like it has little to no impact. But yet you stand at the Grand Canyon and you can sense that there's more. You read the Bible and you see that there is more. Perhaps there was a moment where you were ready to give all you have. But if you're honest right now, you're not fully sure you're there. And I don't know, if anything, Oaks, I feel like I'm here to gently remind you again and again and again, that there is more. To not lose the, the heart and the vision for the beauty of the high art that you are pressing toward. God is calling this church back into even greater surrender. God is calling this church even deeper because there is a beauty that flows from this place. And there is a beauty that flows from your life to lay it all down to obtain the pearl of great price is the greatest story that's ever told. And when we get out of the way and let God be God and we surrender in faithful obedience that his ways are, in fact, higher than our ways, time and again he reminds us that he writes the best stories and he reveals the greatest love. And the pearl that he is inviting us to take hold of is even greater than the very best one we could have designed up or mustered up on our own. The pearl of great price is the kingdom of God and the kingdom is at hand. And the, in the, the foundational shift in all of history in which we are invited to step into the kingdom realities of heaven is that at the death and resurrection of Jesus came the resulting power of the Holy Spirit that remains with us and brings forth and births the kingdom until he returns. This is what's available to us. A resurrection life empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
That's why it feels different when you walk into here. That's why the presence of this community in a city changes those that are around it. That's why your life is shifted and reordered different than any other person you perhaps know. Everything else not in alignment with the reality of a resurrection life empowered by the Spirit is not worth giving your life for. No Google search can provide that answer for you. No teaching philosophy will be enough, which is why we have largely a generation that is still searching. A generation that has not encountered the indwelling Holy Spirit, where love has not been brought to life to them. Because when you're in need of love, you don't need an idea of love, you need a hug. When you're in need of healing, you don't need a model or a vision for healing. You need to be healed. I think perhaps a great example of this um, is uh, Billy Graham and his ministry. I don't know how you feel about uh, Billy or if you are even familiar with him. Uh, Regardless to say, he's one of the greatest evangelists of all time by the fruit of his ministry. But I just want to, I wonder, has, has anybody here ever spent time? Are we familiar with Billy Graham? Okay. Has anybody here ever spent time listening to any of his sermons? And I'm going to say this. I don't know if it's sacrilegious to stay in a church. Can I say that? But has there ever been a moment where you're listening to Billy Graham, the great evangelist, and heard the talk, and you're kind of like, eh. <laughs> I, oh, I mean, that, that was fine, you know? Not great, really, actually. <laughs> but honestly... Like, by some of the standards of today, for amazing content that's out there, and amazing pastors, some of which are in your church, you have just amazing pastors here. Compared to them, actually, some of Billy Graham's messages are a bit basic. Some of the stories and examples are really not that interesting. And yet, when Billy Graham would come to a close, and he would say, now is the time for some of you to give your life to Jesus. And he would say, come. People would come in droves. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the power in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. That's what is available to this community, to you. When Billy Graham was asked, why? Why is that the case? He would tell this story. It's documented many times. He would say, it's all the Holy Spirit. It's all the Holy Spirit. In fact, there was one day he points to where he was at a meeting and it wasn't going great and he was behind a tent and he just began to weep and he was crying out saying, God, I don't know how to do this. It's not working. It's not worth it. I need you and I can't do it without you. I cannot do it with what I have. And he goes on to share a story of God filling him powerfully and expansively with the Holy Spirit, physically, tangibly, a full surrender and understanding of the power and the love of God flowing through him. And he goes back to doing what he's doing. Same basic content, same basic message, but this time now God is doing it through him and he's walking in the power of the Spirit. And he said his life and ministry was fundamentally shifted and changed because he knew that he knew that he knew that it was not him and it was him. Is that your story? That's the invitation. This can be your story. Have you come to a place where you honestly can cry out to God and say, I don't know how to do this. I need you. I want you. I will do whatever it takes to obtain the pearl. I want you. I want it. Because that's where it starts. And then we live into that same desire, albeit imperfectly, but again and again and daily and daily pursuing after the pearl, willing to surrender for the sake of something so worth it coming to the end of ourselves, coming to the end of our own striving and resources so that we can start being filled with the resources of heaven. And when you do that, that's when the burden actually becomes light. That's not just hearsay. It's an adventure. Life comes with power. Ministry does come with fun. There is joy that comes in the presence of the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. His kingdom is at hand. What if Jesus really meant it? What if Jesus really meant it, that the kingdom is really right here for us, like a treasure in a field or a pearl in the sea? That it's really here for those who will simply say yes to taking a hold of it and truly allowing the Lord God to be their Lord. Before we um, close, close today, I, I want to share um, just like a simple story um, from our community, you know, just up the road a little bit. And this story kind of has kind of nothing to do with all this um, fully other than it has to deal with the breaking into the kingdom. Like, it's just life. It's just like the real stuff. 
And it has nothing to do with a program or certainly not a skilled leader. But it does have to deal with the power of the Holy Spirit. The love of God that's at work here right now. And that is available. The kingdom is at hand. Um, so... As Ryan said, I'm from Wellspring. We have a church community in LIC. And during um, the last few years, we've been renovating a building, uh, like an old warehouse that has since become our church home. And during renovations, if you're familiar with that, kind of one of the last things you do is paint it, you know, and like put up a sign. Like that's kind of the finishing touches in the end. So for a long time, our church just really just looked like a big, massive construction site in a warehouse. It was during that time that we received a prayer request online. We have the typical thing like everyone has, right? Fill in a prayer request, do the thing. And Brett, who's one of our prayer team leaders, uh, fielded that request, and he gave a guy uh, a call one night. See, apparently on that night, it was raining, and when Brett called, the guy was walking down the street, and he ducked underneath an overhang at a construction site to get out of the rain. And the guy opened up that this was the first time that he's ever done something like this, the first time he's ever reached out and tried to pray. But he was in a crisis moment, and he figured, you know, why not? And so Brett, our prayer team leader, prayed with him. He ended up inviting him to the Alpha course, uh, which at that time was still fully online for us. He came, and through that course, he kind of encountered God, at least enough that he opened himself that he decided he would try coming to church. So he gets the info from the group at the end of Alpha, and he shows up at Wellspring one day. And he comes to join us on a Sunday morning. I know none of this story. I know none of the history. I know none of this going on, by the way. But here's kind of where I began to intersect the story. After service that morning, I am standing in the front, and a man walks up to me with tears just streaming down his face, grateful that he has met God for himself. Grateful, just overcome, and saying God has been watching out for him. And he goes on to share this exact story with me. He said, I had, I had lost my job. I was at the end of my rope. Out of desperation, I reach out for a random prayer online that I had Googled. And I end up praying with a stranger in the middle of a rainstorm under the awning of a construction site. Months later, I get up the courage to come to church for the first time in my life. And as I cross the threshold of the door, I realize I'm standing in the exact same place at the doorway of the construction site where I reached out at the end of my rope to see if there really is a God. And it turns out I'm standing in the doorway of what would become the church where I later encounter him for myself. He'd been covering me the whole time, and I didn't even know him. The man encountered the pearl of great price for himself, and he'll never be the same. He had no problem giving up all he had in order to obtain that pearl. He didn't do it out of obligation. He did it out of love. He did it out of his response to the love of God that was revealed to him. And it's important to note, it was a process. It was a humble moment of searching out for prayer. If there is a God, it was a journey through the whole Alpha course. It was then attending church, and it was an encounter that perhaps to you may seem a little bit supernatural. It was a process, and it was searching. Perhaps something like a merchant looking for fine pearls. You see, the amazing thing about um, these parables of Jesus and, and the pearl and the treasure in particular is that the entire thing can be reversed and flipped on its head, which it, it often is. And in fact, we see that through the passion and love of Jesus, that's exactly what did happen. So just read the parable one more time uh, before we invite the Holy Spirit and see what he wants to do this morning. Because again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Right, you see the, the theme in there? In many of the parables, Jesus often took on the role of the seeker. There was a lost sheep, and a sheep went out, and the shepherd went out to find him, searching high and low to bring him home. There was a lost coin, and the woman swept the entire house in order to find it. Could it be that Jesus is also leaving this parable open to our interpretation, trusting our intellect, trusting our searching as a bit of a hint, as a bit of a foretaste of his sacrifice on the cross? That while, yes, the kingdom of heaven is worth giving up all that we have in order to receive it, and indeed, as we're willing to lose our life, we will truly find it. However, before any of that takes place, Jesus went first. While we were still sinners, Christ chooses us and Christ dies for us. 
The parable says that when the merchant found the pearl, he sold everything he had and purchased it. And that's what Jesus did for you and me. You are the pearl. I am the pearl. First John says we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us. He gave it all so that he could have us, you and me, forever. He paid the ultimate cost that you may be one in him as he is with the Father. Is it possible that the, that the parable is a both and? And that this morning, if you're in a place where you're clutching your own pearls on whatever topic or for whatever is important or whatever you're holding on to, but you're sensing a little bit this invitation to say yes to more, Perhaps for you, it's like this, it's a saying yes to reestablish the beauty of the pearl in your life again. To get back in touch with your first love or to say yes to more of the Holy Spirit. To, to, to like step in fully that the kingdom is at hand. To step into the life of the pearl, which is how life is truly meant to live. Or for you truly to say yes, I say this, to say yes for the first time. And there could have been a lot of little incremental yeses um, but you know there's, like, there's always been a hedging of your bets. I mean, the great thing about a pearl is like the beauty is inherent, the value is inherent. It doesn't need any hype. It doesn't need to be bolstered up. If it's the real deal, it's a real deal. Either Jesus is real or he's not. But whatever that yes is for you this morning, because I, I think God's just inviting us into a bunch of yeses, I think it's important for us to remember that as we say yes, that we're actually just walking in the steps of Jesus himself. Stepping into for ourselves what Christ has already done for us. Because his grace is so abounding. His love is so immense that he doesn't ask us to do anything that he himself has not already willingly given. And anyone who loves like that is worth giving our whole life for. I just want to respond. Um, right, let's, let, let's let God kind of do his thing. He's either real or he isn't. Imagine for some of you even now, perhaps, there's things that are like on your heart and surfacing. You don't just happen to come into the, uh, a church like this, right? It's, it's voluntary. You chose to be here. There also is this argument that it's also a both end, like the love of Christ uh, compels us to love, but he also seeks after us. So there's like a reason you're here, and he's drawing you deeper into himself. So I'd like us to just respond. Um, yeah, normally I would say stand, but maybe let's just stay seated and just invite the Holy Spirit. Are we comfortable with that? Um, perhaps you... Um, want to open your hands to receive, but you certainly don't have to. It's just uh, showing that you're ready or open. That's fine. You can drop your phones, get rid of all the search engines and Google devices of the lesser searching. That's a great prophetic drop. Throw down those search engines and receive the power and the love of God. You, but you can close your eyes or not. You don't have to. It sometimes removes distraction. But we believe in the words of Jesus that says his kingdom is at hand and that there is more. So first, let's just let him speak and just invite the Holy Spirit. God, we love you. We trust you. You say, come, Holy Spirit. Create a greater, when we say that, by the way, we're just saying he is here, but we want greater awareness. We want him to come in greater measure. We're just basically putting out a welcome mat for him. Come, Holy Spirit. wonder even a room here as we're waiting and, and just sensing a thing about a surrender and greater beauty. You might be even sensing the spirit on you because he's here. And his presence is with us. In particular, is there anybody here where you feel like it's just an exponential um, like sense of the spirit over your heart? 
like um, like a pounding in your heart at all or a, a desire like that seems to be bubbling up? Is there anybody here who feels like the, the sense of the spirit over their heart or their chest? If that's you, if you could even just like slightly put up your hand instead of saying that is me that you sense or feel anything. us to continue waiting just a little bit longer. As you can sense on some level, like um, the reordering of our love, the reordering of our life is even um, letting God come and having lordship of our, our time frame and our paradigm. Jesus, we give you our full heart right now, our full attention. God, we want to be people who say that you are Lord of our life and then align ourselves that way. We're trusting that you're moving and that you're here, God. And it can, perhaps this is for you to even just articulate that you can move outside my paradigm. You can move outside my plans. I am willing to surrender. It's not been about uh, money or cost for you. It's about a willingness of surrendering towards the fullness of what that um, reckless life would be for you. Perhaps even the idea for some, perhaps the idea of like recklessness, um, of of abandon or even uh, foolishness is hard for you. What would it look like to go all in? What would it look like for his kingdom to be at hand and you to leverage all that you have in order to step into it, to trust actually that what he says will come to pass within your life and time? The truth is we're all being guided by something. Like what John Wimber once said, he said, I'm a fool for Jesus. Whose fool are you? Whose fool are you? Jesus, come. Jesus, come. I get a sense that Jesus is inviting some of us in this room to move um, towards healing today. And I think that might be physical for some or mental or emotional. I think there may be some of us who, like the man at the pool of Bethesda, have been sitting in our pain for quite some time. And now Jesus is before you and saying, do you want to be well? Because if you knew the gift of God and the one who is before you right now, you would ask him and he would give you living water. He would give you life and freedom and healing. And just now I'm reminded there's a story in the Old Testament in 2 Kings of a man called Naaman who's a leper. And he, he says that he wants to be well. But when Elisha sends his servant to go tell him to dip in the Jordan seven times, Naaman is angry and he leaves. Because to him, the Jordan is too common. This is all too simple. And his servant says to him, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, you would have done it. I think that there are some of us in this room who are waiting for this moment of hype. And Jesus is giving you a simple invitation, the invitation he has always given. Come to me. Come to me. And I think very simply that is the invitation for some of us this morning to 
move our bodies in such a way that we express, I am moving towards Jesus. I will come, I will come to him. And so I'm actually just going to ask you if you feel that sense of I'm being invited to come to Jesus for whatever that looks like. I would love to invite you to come to the front. We'd love to pray for you. You can come now. You don't have to yeah, wait. If you, you want come. to, if you would even come, I think even just like a sense of just like standing here, does anybody who's feeling like a sense to come and just receive? It might not be specific. You just feel like a sense to just gather on either side here. You can stand or kneel. We're going to come and, and pray and minister. But if that's you, if there's one sense of like, why not? Why not make the move or a, a sense to come? You just come and join our friends who have kind of been bold to step up here. Mm. Um, and also, too, there might be some or a few people here um, who think this is such a small thing. But I think God might want to reveal his healing to you that have a, a skin condition, like a rash and you're like, that's a silly thing that God wouldn't want to heal that. But if it's like a rash or a skin condition, um, I'd love to pray healing for that. Um, also, super random, but like if there's like a, a young injury that you had or an issue when you were young, almost like um, like rickets, and that you have carry pain in your body, perhaps in your legs, or you're feeling pain in their lower legs, um, I'd love to pray healing for you as well, if that's you. I just want to just keep this moment open here, too, as people are faithful responding. It's like a sense of, um, yeah, just invite more of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Mm. It's always a both and. Like, God so desperately desires to move, um, but he doesn't burst his way in. Right, when we don't make a shift, uh, there's often not a shift. And that's out of his kindness, because he respects where you're at in your journey. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. really is the simple. Just even those that are coming forward, just invite more of the Holy Spirit right now. Mm. Just invite the Holy Spirit over you. And there's a reason that pearl is like <laughs> in an oyster. It isn't fancy, and I think just God's like reclaiming that. It is simple. It can be missed really easily. 